the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer, San Diego. Welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's Ed Martin's Pro-America Report. I was telling someone how they said, I see it. It's Ed Martin's Pro-America Report. That's right. And I'm, I'm that guy. So great to be with you, uh, listening on the radio, the great Salem Radio Network, and also on Periscope. The first segment of the show is always on Periscope, so we can visit and talk about things. Just a few moments ago on Periscope, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. You watch, for listeners and viewers, you watch, as I tell you, the Pledge of Allegiance is about to have a comeback. It's about to have a comeback. You heard it here first. There's a lot of things I tell you ahead of everybody else. This is one of them because we need it. The Pledge of Allegiance is the one aspect of American life in the last hundred, well, let's say 75 years, where we added God into our country, didn't try to take him out. Under God was added to the pledge instead of taking God out of our schools, taking God out of uh, our, our, uh, our uh, uh, public square, all these places. It is, it's strongly and firmly in there. So watch for the pledge. And as we were talking about on Periscope, if again, if you, if you get a chance, go and see General Flynn's Twitter feed at General Flynn, excuse me, at Jen, G-E-N, Jen Flynn, his uh, grandson, who he loves so much, is saying the Pledge of Allegiance, which is really fun. All right. But what do you need to know today? What do you need to know today? Let me walk you through the two things you need to know. Uh, on this busy Friday, there's so many things going on. You know, we've got jobs reports. We've got details of this and that. The president did a lengthy interview on Fox and Friends this morning and, and made all kinds of news. He commented about having learned a lot from Nixon. Of course, the media went crazy. Uh, you know, we're watching judges get confirmed and confirmations happening and a lot of speculation. Uh, um, Senator Thune, uh, who was on, he's, I guess, number three or four in the um, in the uh, U.S. Senate uh, Republican side. And he said he did an interview and he said, yeah, we're definitely going to uh, confirm uh, the Supreme Court vacancy if there is one. So as, as I've said to you before, I expect that we will have a vacancy and they will fill it. And that will be amazing. Hey, there's Fern. I'm glad you're here, Fern. You're late. I was worried about you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in here. All right. So here's what you need to know. Two things. Obama knew. Obama knew. Now, I've been saying this for a long time that remember, remember the photograph 
of the White House staff and the Obama White House the day after the election, they were expecting to hand off all of their stuff to Hillary's staff, and some of them would stay on, and then they would all go out and be uh, the leaders of the of the lobbying crew that lobbies the, the Hillary Clinton administration. And remember the photograph? There's a famous photograph when Obama was talking to his staff, I think in the Rose Garden, and they look devastated. They're like crying. Valerie Jarrett and a few others. There, two two or three dozen people, and they're devastated. But they didn't stay devastated very long. You know, under the George, uh, under the Clinton administration, when they left, they stole all the W keys. Remember that story? The Clinton staffers took all the W's off of the the uh, uh, um, the keyboards, and that was funny, ha ha ha. And who knows what else they did? But in the case of the Obama administration, do you remember what they did? They rapidly did the coup, attempted coup. Remember what they did? They unmasked rapidly. They knew they only had from early November until January 21st. So they had, you know, do that in your head. What is it? Maybe maybe eight weeks, nine weeks, but it wasn't 10 minutes. And what they did was they systematically went about setting up the coup. They systematically went about exposing American citizens and their political enemies to retribution and to and to risk and and they systematically went through they used the apparatus of power to try to take over the government and to try to take down the president that's what they did now what came out yesterday congressman adam schiff's committee finally had to release the transcripts and what the transcripts show is obama knew biden knew susan rice knew the white house knew the playbook, the insurance policy, was not just an insurance policy for Strzok and his, uh, and his girlfriend, his, his, uh, his extramarital girlfriend. It wasn't just that. It was the whole plan all along. And look, when you pull this string back and keep going, the question becomes, what did Obama know and when did he know it? And what did he do about it? Because it clearly it now looks like there was misconduct. You have testimony under oath that uh, Susan Rice and Clapper and a few others, they, they, under oath, they say, well, we didn't see any evidence of Russia collusion. But they just kept on plowing away. They kept on, they were, they were in search of a crime. They were a government in search of a crime. They were prosecutors in search of a crime. They were coup plotters in search of a crime to take down this country. That's what you need to know today. This isn't minor. It's not coming out that it was a big misunderstanding and there was a rogue agent. You know, Peter Strzok was rogue. That's not what's come out. What's come out is the whole system was geared for power. And I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. By the eighth year of the Obama administration, and you can see this when I say it, you'll know what I mean. Obama and his team, they really believed their press, you know, the clippings. They thought they were historic. They thought they were so important. They were so arrogant. They were so arrogant and so convinced of their history making and their importance that nobody should get in their way, let alone a, a Republican named Donald Trump and a, and, a, and a general named Flynn. By the way, Flynn was hated by Obama. You know, you can know something about somebody by their enemies. Obama, I guess, w w was going out of his way to tell Trump and others, don't allow. Hey, Gwen, thanks for joining. Don't allow anybody. Don't allow Flynn anywhere near anything. That's what Obama was saying. That was what Obama was saying. Now, so why was that? And the answer was Flynn was hated by Brennan and Clapper and Susan Rice, all those people, because he knew how the game was played and he knew they were playing it wrong. So what you need to know today is, number one, Obama knew. And the coup, as I've said for a long time, went all the way up to the White House. 
I knew it went to Susan Rice. I could see that the national security security apparatus was trying to uh, overtake the government. That's I knew that. I wasn't sure we'd ever see a smoking gun, which we have now, that Obama knew. But now we know, and Biden did too. Biden was in the room too. So at the highest level, there wasn't a peaceful transition of power. There wasn't the respect for elections. You talk about respect for elections. Remember, they used to say that Trump might not uh, allow, uh, might not uh, concede the election. It wasn't Trump that wasn't conceding the election. It was these people in office. And again, go, go to edmartinlive.com, get on there and get the, I, I send a daily email for the pro America, Ed Martin's pro America report. And you want to get that. So you get it every day. So you see these articles we see and we'll make more points. Here's the, here, but here's the, the reality of this situation is so much more damning than you knew. And my point here is we're not going to stop until we get to the bottom of it. It's now clear. We, the people are not going to tolerate that this is just another, oh, it's a funny chapter. Maybe there'll be a memoir. Maybe Flynn will get a, a book deal. No, we need to get to the bottom of this, and we need to do it now, and we need to not stop. And I think we will. And I think Barr has said there's more to, uh, to, to come in lots of ways. So we'll see. All right, number two thing today, what you need to know. Two things, Obama knew. Second one, there's no Great Depression. Let me be very clear for you. The media is trying to say there's going to be a Great Depression. It's terrible job numbers today. I mean, I know completely. I feel it. I see it. It's a terrible thing. You know, uh, upwards of probably more than 20 million, the numbers that they have, probably more than that. Because there are lots of people that would be not getting unemployment or were part-time. It's devastating. It's unbelievable. But do not fall for the trick, the mindset trick to say we're going into a depression. I spent today with one of my friends. He's a doctor, smart guy. I said, no, 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 Dave, you got to stop that. You got to stop that. You got to stop listening to the mainstream media. You got to stop listening to the doomsday. Stop listening to the Wall Street Journal. Who They're saying this. It's not going to be the depression. And you know, this first part, the first the first part of making sure this isn't a depression is to believe what I'm saying. It's not going to be a depression. That's the first step. And after that, here's why. Because the Great Depression didn't have the dynamism of this economy. It just didn't. Everything was slower. Everything was slower. Every, the the, the, um, the, um, the uh, general American society was, was stuck in, in categories. We have a lot more mobility. We have a lot. And we're going to pull back from China. And as we decouple, we're going to do more here. But just trust me when I tell you the starting point here is to know there's no Great Depression. I'm not saying it's going to be back to the Trump economy from three months ago by Christmas, but it's going to be really positive. It's going to be accelerating in the direction of more opportunities, of more things happening, of things opening up, of exciting uh, prospects. Don't believe the doomsdayers, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to condition us to believe that we're headed down and we don't want to believe it because it's not true. And we also want to start to move the other way. So I, I just want to encourage you. The numbers are bad. That's yeah, true. There's no doubt about it. There's terrible numbers and there's lots of reasons to worry about how we come. But trust me when I tell you, our economy is going to come back stronger. It's going to come back faster than it's ever before. And there's one reason why, above all, that you should trust me on this, is Trump knows how to do this. He, he, he may not have naturally known how to handle, uh, you know, the diplomatic corps or uh, nominations to the bench. He may have had to learn that. He knows about the economy. That's the game he knows how to play best. And that's the game he's going to play. So just 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 don't believe the Great Depression stuff. Don't believe all that talk. Push that aside and just remember that. All right, we got to take a break on the radio. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on Ed Martin's Pro America Report. Be right back. 
the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest, I got an email from uh, one of my friends who was saying, hey, this is a great uh, woman to talk to, period. And then um, they they put me onto this uh, book. It's called Conquering Coronavirus, How Faith Can Put Your Fears to Rest. And so I spent over the weekend when I was getting ready for this, I had uh, Teresa Tameo's website, TeresaTameo.com. And I went there and she's got, a, she does radio herself and does, uh, um, uh, has a book, which I mentioned, and a blog and writing and all kinds of things, and it's extraordinary. So welcome, Teresa, to the program. Great to have you with us. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd really appreciate it. So let me, uh, for, before we get into anything, a, a lot of people are in a different <laughs> a different setup, all of us, right? We're in a different setup than we were a while ago, and that's always not easy. I'm, I'm speaking in, like, code right now. I'm sorry, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. So how do you for, sort of start people down the path? Most people want to get back to something they call normal, even though they don't know what that is. But it's a lot of uncertainty. How do, how do you, how do you uh, address all that, and how do you encourage people as you're talking to them? Well, the book is really hopeful. You know, the title, as you mentioned, uh, it's about basically what we're going through right now, conquering coronavirus, how faith can put your fears, fears to rest. But really, it's I pull back and I look at the big picture, I guess, from my old TV news days and, you know, zooming out and trying to give people a, a bigger picture of things, because this is not the only crisis that we're going to ever face in our lives. So as I was pouring myself into this book and I wrote it in less than a week, which was pretty crazy, I've never done that before and I've written a number of books, I just felt that God was telling me to have people maybe hit the reset button that I don't think God caused this pandemic. I think we, we serve a merciful God, but I do think that he's allowing it to happen to get our attention, whatever the situation is in life, that we need to pay closer attention to maybe what we've been prioritizing incorrectly. The word Corona in Latin and the Italian language means crown. And so what have been the crowns of our life versus maybe our family and the way we treat people and, and how we love each other and, and our relationships, especially our relationship. And for me as, as, a, as a Christian, our relationship with God. And, and I lost my mom during um, the month of March, and it was right wow. as we were starting to shut down across the country. She didn't die of COVID, but she died of um, congestive heart failure and other complications. And it was right as everything was closing. And I feel that I was inspired to write about that experience because I couldn't give her a funeral mass. I couldn't um, have a proper burial or wake. So there's mm. a lot spiritually wow. that was going on and emotionally. But through that, there was also a lot of hope in terms of I had a lot of great friends and other family members that we pulled together. And so there were signs of hope. I, I think what's going on right now is an opportunity for us versus an obstacle. And I kind of walk people through that in the book. We're talking with uh, Teresa Tameo, and TeresaTameo.com is her website, and there's a lot there. And also uh, the book, which I, I have open on my desktop, Conquering Coronavirus, or I have a, a Sophia Institute Press is the publisher, and they have a ability to look at a few of the pages. And so um, I have it open, uh, Conquering Coronavirus. And uh, one of the things I, I, I was... Um, as I, I thought about this topic, because some of what you see in, in our world, people um, don't want to stop and, and pay attention to, you know, to what's happening. They kind of want to charge on to the next uh, thing. And I thought in your book, um, you kind of uh, do sort of try to push people to understand the uh, well, one of the phrases of our fearful and perilous times. Like, you know, you, you got to acknowledge what we're in. Right. And, and understand sort of where we are and uh, and change. Um, but you also 
how do you people can't go to church, right? So you sort of uh, whether you whether you how you feel about it or not, if you're Catholic, you go for the sacraments. If you're uh, yeah, Protestant, you go for the fellowship and for the scripture and, and all kinds of things together, the communion. Um, but you can't go to church. Right. And, you, and so some of that communion slides away. And for a, 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 for a little bit, how do you how do you deal with that part of it? I mean, loneliness isn't just a a sort of social thing, uh, pro, uh, issue. It's a spiritual one, too. Right. Well, I think one of the great things that is going on is that people are being, especially people of faith and others are being very creative in the way they communicate. Uh, for example, I'm in the Archdiocese of Detroit, which is huge. We have, um, gosh, over a million Catholics here, and we have something like 400 parishes. And so all of the parishes, most, I think almost every one, including mine, which is a very large parish, what they've been doing, as has been happening around the country, they've been live streaming the masses. I also have many friends um, in the evangelical world, and their pastors are, are doing services online. And there have been studies that have shown, there was a report that came out actually last week that I posted on my Facebook page from the Pew Center, and they were talking about the fact that even though most people in the country, if they're believers, they can't attend their particular church, regardless of church or denomination, but they feel that their faith has grown. And those are people who are already active, their faith has grown further, and for those who weren't faithful, they're seeking out means of prayer. They're seeking out these events online. So it's, it's actually forcing us, I think, to be even more creative in ways to deal with this. And this is dealing with technology in a good way. And I heard, uh, I quote my one of my associate pastors in the book where he had a great homily early on in the pandemic. He was saying, let's go back to the, not the, uh, let's not make it a new normal. Let's go back to the old normal. And what did he mean by that? He was talking about, let's go back to the days when if we were watching TV, we chose a particular movie and it was a decent one and we watched it as a family. We sat around the table and we ate dinner together without the interference of the iPad and the cell phone. Let's go back to the old normal. And he said that's already starting to happen. So I think in a way we are growing closer and I think we're more appreciative of that separation and what it means to be separated physically from each other. So uh, th- we're talking with Teresa Tameo.com is her website, and it's it's a it, we'll put the book up on social media. And I, I only, these things fly by, and I want to ask you about this. One of the things I noticed, of course, your Italian American heritage is clear from your name, and even as you referred to it. But uh, you know, there was a piece I don't know if you saw in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, earlier this week, I'm not sure when, um, about a guy, a guy who traveled with his wife just before things, uh, or maybe it was a month or two before, and he got in a trip, and he said on this on the uh, on the um, uh, in this downtime, this great pause, they took great comfort from referring to their trip. Like, and they were, they were talking about it. And, and it made me think because then one of the things you do on your website is talk about Italy and tips for traveling in Italy. And have you, uh, is there yet good uh, ways to look at uh, like tourism online in this time? Cause it is fun to imagine. We were supposed to go over um, our family uh, to um, London for Easter. And so we, we obviously couldn't go, but do you have any tips on that? Cause there's a lot, a lot of things that give people a, uh, uh, joy to think of. And I wondered if you thought about that. Right. And, and especially, I mean, uh, beauty, right? I mean, beauty is one thing that gives yeah. us hope and gets us encouragement. And for me, again, as a Christian reflects God, well, I was just on the phone. It's funny you should bring that up. That I do have a, I have a link on my page to another website because I do do Italy consulting. I actually have a yeah. <laughs> the consulting company was going gangbusters until obviously this pandemic hit, but that's, I'm putting <laughs> it in God's hands. I'm sure it'll, it'll pick up again. But I was just speaking um, with the president of the travel agency with whom I work and, and I even talked talking to my friends in Italy, I have many friends, Americans, 
and Italians there. And things are starting to open up. The museums will be opening up, and I'm specifically referring to Italy, May 18th, mm -hmm. and other things are opening up next week. And they're starting to come around. Tourism is probably going to pick up, I would say, late May, early June. The numbers are much, much better in Italy. And overall, it's it's getting better. I would say by the summertime, I, as long as they lift the fact that if you travel outside the country, the quarantine effect is what's concerning a lot of people. Because right now, if you, if you go anywhere, you have to come back and you have to quarantine, self-quarantine for two weeks. But I'm optimistic because I know that they, they tourism is, is such an important part of the economy for, for so many parts of the world, including the United States. But I think it's, it's really healthy for us to see other cultures and experience it. And so I'm actually hoping to get back to Italy by the end of June. My husband and I have a trip planned, and, and that's what we're looking at. But mm. it's a beautiful place, and, and I, I love the travel, and I'm hoping to pick that up again. I, I really hope that people enjoy this book. It's, it's very uplifting. It looks at the reality of what we're in, but it's for more than just right now, because sooner or later, we all know, life is going to hit us again. God forbid. I hope it's not another pandemic. But somewhere along the right. line, we're going to face another challenge. And I also have a segment of the book, if, if you're laid off, you're out of work, being in the, in the secular media for 20 years, it's not exactly a secure business. I, I've lost my job more than once, and so I've been through the <laughs> right. unemployment line. I know what that's like, and I came out of that experience much better, and God helped me develop a whole new line of work. So it's, it's filled with a lot of practical information. There's a resource chapter with prayers and links, and I just hope people find it really, really helpful. Well, and I, 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 it certainly looks like it. And, you know, the thing I, I appreciate very much about the whole conversation is you have to people have to remember to have hope. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't yeah. mean that Teresa T Tomeo is, has a, a great day every day, all day long. But you have to say, what are the things I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to travel. I'm looking forward to things getting better. I'm looking for, I'm, I'm going to find ways to be hopeful. And it changes your whole life. I, my, my kids are sick of me talking about Norman Vincent Peale every time I turn around and ha the power of positive <laughs> thinking. But it changes you when you think that way and it's uh, I think you can hear it in your voice and again uh, and I, I love that uh, that I want to go uh, to Italy with you travel it's actually travelitalyexpert.com is there but you can link yeah. through uh, teresatomeo.com but uh, one last thing on this is that I want to make sure people hear Sophia Institute Press and find the book Conquering, Cor Conquering Coronavirus How Faith Can Put Your Fears to Rest uh, thank you Teresa I'm sorry we're running out of time but I appreciate it That's very okay. much God bless you and good luck with everything thanks Ed thank you so much for all your great work God bless you all right. Thanks very much. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is an old friend of the show, uh, and uh, John uh, Guandolo hasn't been with us, uh, I guess, in a little while. John, I'm embarrassed to say that because I, I trust your judgment so much. John's the president and the founder of Understanding the Threat. Uh, it's, I've, heard, I've read it's described as the uh, only organization in the country that provides all the tools for leaders, uh, citizens, and the police to, uh, to focus in on the jihadi and the terrorist network. So, um, John, before I get to that, you must, you must know in your uh, neck of the woods or have some experience, I mean, over the time with, Gov uh, with General Flynn, his book, Field of Fight, uh, you know, about global, the global, fi global fight. I I do you know him well over the years? Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, way back when, uh, I actually huh? was, uh, I did a private briefing with him, myself, him, huh. and, uh, the gentleman that introduced the two of us, uh, and laid out the, uh, the global Islamic network for him. And, uh, as you are aware, he, uh, he, he has been a very plain spoken 
uh, individual about the Islamic threat uh, and the, the, the threat of Islam in the United States. So, uh, yes, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to see uh, what happened, that the case was uh, dropped this week and that he has been fully exonerated. There is a lot of work to do to compensate him and to uh, hopefully put in jail and hold accountable the people that uh, uh, did what they did to him. But uh, it's good news this week. Uh, we're talking with John, John Guandolo and John, John, let me make sure, cause I think I was bouncing around at the beginning to, uh, to, uh, uh, make sure people know the website, your website is understanding the threat.com understanding the threat. Uh, the, Oh, sorry. That's the book. The book is understanding the threat.com. Uh, and it's a good book. I have that. I have the uh, Islam's deception, the truth about Sharia. Uh, oh, I guess they're all there. I'm sorry. They're all at understanding the threat.com. I apologize. And, um, Hey John, um, in a, in a time like this, we've heard about, uh, all this threat of China. And I mean, I'm, I've been banging away on it too it's sort of been quiet on the threat of jihad and the islamic jihad is that is that a good sign or is it a sign people aren't paying attention uh it's a sign people are not paying attention so there are two things going on Uh, obviously the islamic movement is continuing uh its work on a daily basis here in the united states and one of the ways uh on the information front in the uh, information battle space or information war, uh, where they're hammering is that uh, you're hearing from the uh, from the jihadis, from the Islamic movement, that uh, you know this whole COVID thing is actually very compatible with Islam. It's teaching us Americans good Sharia compliant habits, like covering yourself, like men not touching <laughs> women publicly, right. like all these things. So they are actually uh, they're on the propaganda. Uh, 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 you know, they're they're pushing the propaganda related to the Chinese coronavirus. Uh, so we're seeing that. And of course, uh, as your listeners know who have heard me on the show before, the uh, the communist movement in the United States, primarily led uh, by the leadership of the Democrat Party here, uh, works directly with the leadership of uh, you know terrorists from Hamas and leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, here in the United States. So. Uh, as as goes one movement, in other words, yeah. if one movement advances, uh, they both advance. Hmm. Uh, we're talking with John Guandolo, and uh, I should have mentioned too, John is a Naval Academy grad and a Marine uh, and great a veteran and uh, tons of experience in that that service, um, and also uh, um, was in the FBI, which is another uh, perspective here, John, as you watch this sort of uh, tumult the FBI is going through. You know, one of the things I, I, as I listen to you, John, over the years, and I know, uh, understanding the threat.com, I see the, the writings there. You've been clear that, Hey, some of our, our leaders don't just pick on the FBI, but some of our leaders all over haven't had the right focus. They've been, uh, focused on other things and, and you don't know matter. It doesn't matter right now what the other things were. It's just you, your point of this, but it has to be particularly frustrating for you to see the FBI exposed as so messy. I mean, you must be I know you're sick of it for a while, but shaking your head at how, uh, how, you know, unpleasant this is. Well, it, it is, but I think if we look at this, um, now we've known for three years, uh, the details and the evidence of what's been going on. But what was released last week um, from the uh, Michael Flynn case and what we now know, uh, we've known for a long time, if you've been paying attention. But now, uh, even the traditional media, which is uh, 
certainly, uh, well, they've been through this whole coronavirus thing pro-China and uh, have been coming against the president of the United States. So that tells you where they are. But even they, some of them, have had to actually report that, hey, it looks like there's something going on here. Well, yeah, here's, here's what's going on. You have a former president, Mr. Obama, a former presidential candidate, Ms. Clinton, the director of the CIA, John Brennan, James Comey, director of FBI, James Clapper, the director of national mm-hmm. intelligence, and many others, including the deputy director of the FBI and the deputy assistant director for counterintelligence of the FBI. You've got all kinds of people at senior level, the Speaker of the House of the United States, involved in an ongoing coup against the President of the United States. And they specifically targeted General Flynn to get him out because they saw him as an impediment to their coup to remove a sitting mm-hmm. president of the United States against the will of the American people. And the only thing they didn't see coming was that the president right. would have the courage and the guts to fire James Comey and blow their coup, that line of the coup, out of the water. But this is, hmm. I mean, we have to understand, this is treason and sedition, and people need to hang for this. Right. Which, the, uh, well, really speaking, and, that's not how we execute people. But people yeah. need to be tried and convicted if the evidence is there for treason. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with John Guandolo and again, his uh, organization, the website, understandingthethreat.com. Let me pause on that for a second, John, because one of the problems with language, right? And you experience this even, the, even as you talk about your work, understanding the threat. If you don't name it, you can't understand it, right? So when you just said treason and sedition, if you don't name it, you can't believe it, right? You know, well, I mean, people just had different opinions. It's not a difference of opinion when you're unmasking American citizens, when you're setting them up for, uh, for uh, uh, in search of a crime and, you know, in, in perjury traps. Um, it's not, it's not, that's not uh, kind of a disagreement, right? That's treason and sedition. And I guess my, back to you and your work, understanding the threat. Bad guys haven't gone away, right? I mean, so we're focused on the media is obsessed with uh, the the COVID and the, you know the, the China uh, virus, but the the threat of uh, uh, jihadi and and Islamic terrorism is still real. What what is the reality right now? Are they laying low because they know we're having our own troubles with the economy and all? Is there are you seeing an uptick? What's your sense on where we are? There are uh, massive tectonic movements in the war, uh, and I'll just point a couple out to you. You have Saudi Arabia that has um, uh, gone back on their word, shocking, and uh, are working to bury America's oil production in Texas and Oklahoma and elsewhere uh, with what they've been doing with the, the prices and all that. And they believe that by doing this, it's endearing them to the broader Islamic movement, when in fact, our assessment is that we already know that Qatar and Turkey and Iran are working together. The caliphate, uh, which will be centered in Turkey again, uh, and highly likely the new caliph will be the president of Turkey, Erdogan. Uh, that's our has been our assessment for a couple of years. We've actually talked about it on your show before. When they assess that Saudi Arabia has done all they can do with the United States, our assessment is that Turkey will militarily move against Saudi Arabia. 
and you're going to have a military war because in anticipation of the caliphate, Turkey is going to retake the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. And they see Saudi Arabia as a problem uh, for a lot of reasons because they're certainly not doing what they're supposed to be doing with regards to Islam and the caliphate on one hand. Um, you know, they see them as hypocrites uh, on the one hand and uh, helping the movement on the other. But remember, when, when Muslims individually or as nations come against each other, it is always over matters of one, Islamic law, Sharia, or two, power. And right now, Turkey is the focus and the center of the power for the new caliphate. And so uh, they will fight their fellow Muslims to uh, establish that power is um, and we're caught in the middle then, right? I mean, we're, we're caught in the middle in, in about 10 different ways, right? Yeah, because the United States has no idea uh, at the national security level that these huge tectonic shifts are happening. They have no understanding of how China and the international communist movement and the U.S. communist movement are using the uh, uh, Chinese coronavirus to uh, as a strategic tool uh, to, to bring us down, and they don't understand these massive movements in the Islamic network. They don't understand the Islamic network in the United States. Um, hmm. Yes, it means when these major yeah. ha things happen, what are we going to default to? That Saudi Arabia is our ally, maybe we need to defend them. Instead of letting our two enemies go at each other. Right, right. Well, as yeah, as always, John, it, it's always sobering, but I think, uh, you know, it's necessary. So thank you for coming on. And again, uh, folks need to go to understandingthethreat.com. Uh, uh, check out John and his work and as well as his books. And uh, thanks, John. I got to run. Uh, John Guandolo, appreciate it very much. We'll have you back again sooner. It's been too long. And uh, have a great thank weekend. You. you too. All right. John. Thanks, John. We'll yep. Yep. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be, back. Be right back. Is the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego? This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's a sad day in America when outspoken Christians are vilified for bending over backwards to help our nation in a crisis. At one of President Trump's coronavirus briefings, he invited Mike Lindell to say a few words. You might know Mike as the spokesman for his MyPillow company. He built MyPillow from the ground up as an American company manufacturing all their products right here in America. When COVID-19 hit, Mike took it upon himself to shift 75% of his company's production to make masks for healthcare workers. President Trump called Mike up to the podium to talk about his work in the hopes that other companies would hop on board with this patriotic act of sacrifice. However, Mike Lindell didn't limit his comments to masks. He told the American people, quote, I encourage you to use this time at home to get back into the word, to read our Bibles and spend time with our families with our great president, vice president, and this administration, and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. End quote. Mike Lindell's selfless actions and words of encouragement should have been applauded by everyone, 
no matter your political leanings. Instead, having the audacity to ask for prayer triggered the constantly offended snowflakes on the left. They took to Twitter and mocked him mercilessly. Morning Joe co-host Mika Brzezinski said, Is that the my pillow guy? Do I need to turn the volume up? I was waiting for the doctors. Tom Nichols sarcastically chimed in, Imagine my relief that the my pillow guy is on the job. What these media nitwits don't seem to remember is that Mike Lindell wasn't up there because President Trump just loves his amazing pillows. He was up there because he went above and beyond the call of duty to help his nation in this time of need. Mike Lindell's patriotism and Christian charity led him to sacrifice so that thousands of Americans might have a chance to live. If that's triggering to you, how can you call yourself an American? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Political correctness is no longer simply about restricting speech. This tool for tyranny has led to employees being fired, pastors silenced, small businesses closed, and truth suppressed. Thankfully, the politically correct can't censor the work at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you, at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. I hope you're celebrating this weekend for Mother's Day. My mother is up uh, in New Jersey where I grew up, so pretty far from us. I won't see my mother, but I will be celebrating with my wife, who is the mother of our four children. So, uh, But I hope people have a great Mother's Day and that they are getting a chance to celebrate even in these strange times. We have a, we have a, uh, we'll have a big dinner with... Um, my wife, the kids are already doing some stuff to at least have a uh, have a big kind of pause and have a little uh, dinner. And uh, I don't know what we've got going flowers or something. I got I got to do something here. But anyway, I hope everybody has a great Mother's Day. Uh, it's an it's one of my it's one of the more I, I like these holidays. I like this one that makes us stop and and uh, celebrate uh, motherhood. It's a good one. You, you know, the, I was reading though. I read the New York Times every morning to sort of see where everything is. And the New York Times has this really really insipid. I think that's the right word. It's just pathetic. That's a better word. Um, uh, Mother's Day special where they asked like 15 mothers what, what, how, how they were changed by being a mother. And it's all liberals. They're all liberals. And they're all just like, they, they, they almost sound, half of them don't even sound happy to be a mother. It's like, ah, oh, it's this and that. I have so many things to do. And the other half are okay, I guess. But there's just nobody sort of celebrating how, uh, I don't know, how great it is and how great families are. It's just so, it's so classic to see the, uh, to see how they present this. So, uh, you know, we'll, um, we will. Uh, well, I hope people will celebrate and ha- and have a great uh, have a great Mother's Day. I know I will be doing that, and we'll be doing uh, the old uh, the the new old tradition, which is um, Zoom. We'll do a Zoom call with my mother in law, uh, so the kids can see Grandma and my own mother, so they can see Granny. And uh, you know, it's the new uh, tradition. I guess we had in in this in this kind of shutdown, we've had um, two birthdays. Uh, two birthdays and an anniversary. So we seem like we're doing a lot of these Zoom. Uh, they're not exactly parties, but Zoom gatherings. All right, some updates on things. Uh, last week, I told you about Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. Parler is at parler.com, P-A-R-L-E-R, is a kind of alternative to Twitter. It's got some things that are a little different than Twitter, but basically uh, pretty similar. But the great thing is no algorithms jerking you around, no uh, no censorship. And what's interesting, however... And I mean this, I don't mean this as a negative, but it's interesting. As far as I can tell, it's really center right and right. 
there doesn't look like there's a lot of um, a lot of lefties in there. There's not even lefties fighting uh, amongst themselves, you know, like they do on Twitter. And I have to tell you, you know, it's actually that's actually nice. Because instead of getting jumped on, when you do something on Twitter, uh, you get jumped on by the left. That's what they just make their they spend their time. I don't have real jobs. They just spend their time, uh, you know, plowing in and, and beating up on people who say something, anything. And so what's really been uh, nice in parlor is it's generally right, center right. There's some, you know, there's some infighting amongst like the there's more libertarian leaning folks. There's some folks that are, uh, I would say, sort of more MAGA. And then there's some classic more conservatives. It's there's a mix. It's not one. It's not monolithic, but it's um, it's kind of friendly. It's kind of a pleasant place to be. And I have to say, that's really gratifying. And I know someone said to me, oh, well, you know, it's really important for you to uh, engage your critics and all. Yeah, I don't know about on Twitter. You know, I don't know how valuable it is to engage your critics on Twitter because they're just so unpleasant. You know, they're just they're just it's just a nasty uh, group of people. So it it doesn't feel like that's as useful. And I think Parler is going to be a, a pretty interesting alternative. I'm 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 even more excited about it than I was. So go to parlor.com and check it out. You know, about a month ago I had the founder of Parler on the show. His name is John Matzi, and uh he's on Twitter and he retweets you. It reminds me for a while, you may remember that um, Mark Cuban had a, uh, a texting service where the texts, I think it was called uh, Stardust or Fire Dust or Fire. And you're, when you texted, the text disappeared. It was a derivative of other stuff. But Cuban was on there and he would, he would, uh, he would answer your, your uh, stuff. He was involved like he was day to day. And that's how Parler is with this uh, founder, John Matzi. So I just encourage you, check it out. Check out parlor.com. Check out some of the other things that are locals.com is something that uh, I noticed has popped up. Some of the folks that don't want to be censored. I, I don't know how well these entities are going to compete with the size and scope of Facebook and Twitter, but I know it's worth doing. It's worth trying and it's worth seeing if we can find the, the paths to have some, uh, have some less, uh, less censored areas for us to communicate. I think that'd be great. Speaking of less censored, I just want to run through again. Please visit edmartinlive.com and get signed up for our newsletter. I mean, not newsletter, daily email. Uh, there's no newsletters. There's a daily email called uh, The Wink, What You Need to Know. And you sign up there and we will send it. We don't, we don't trade your email addresses. We don't sell them. We don't give them away. We just send you that uh, email every day. And you pr- trust me, you'll like it. I, I, I sometimes will add some of my friends to it that I realize aren't on there. And they, so the first time they get it, they're surprised. And then they always say, man, I'm glad I'm on this. So I hope you'll do that. And don't forget to get the show as a podcast and pass it on to your friends. You can search for the Pro-America uh, Movement not movement, pro-America report, sorry, uh, on wherever you get uh, iTunes and Google Play, or more easily go to uh, theanswersandiego.com and get it there. So thank you uh, for to Todd for filling in for Noah, our fearless technical director. So thanks, Todd, for stepping in, and Joanna for helping book things. And have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day. We will be back uh, Monday night. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>